Hello, welcome to People Who Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli. Uh, you're about to listen to an episode of mine, and I'm going to use the same intro for the next few episodes, just because uh, you've probably noticed there's a bit of, been a bit of a gap between episodes. I've just been really busy uh, because I have decided to run for local council. Uh, it's Brisbane City Council uh, for the Walter Taylor Award, so uh, as an independent. So still try to be very, very neutral on this. I've, you know, identifies as a pretty centrist kind of person uh, but I still had a whole bunch of these episodes in reserve and I still wanted to release them so um, I just you know uh, contacted a few MPs made sure that they were still okay with me releasing these episodes even though I'm wanting to get more involved in politics myself um, and I want to record uh, sort of like the another thing about why I'm running and um, you know the the inspiring stories from this podcast that have you know, really encouraged me to get more involved in politics and the decision between become, being an observer or being more involved. And um, I could talk for ages about that, but I, I won't now because you want to listen to whichever episode you've clicked on. So there's a few in reserve. There's Duncan Pegg and Rob Catter and a few others. So I'm just going to release them all. Um, you may have noticed that uh, it's probably not as well edited. I've just been a little bit pressed for time as I set up things for my campaign. So... I uh, just want to thank everyone for listening. Um, if I don't win next year, uh, which I, you know, would rather I rather would win, but if I if I don't win, I will be coming back to this and definitely uh, continuing this podcast. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks. You know, politics by its very nature is a life of conflict. You, yep. you have to create tension to get an outcome in most cases. So that didn't really appeal to me that way of life. And, um, but I, out of a sense of frustration, um, we were starting, I was in the council and I'd only gone on the council reluctantly to help people out. And I was looking forward to getting back out of politics. <laughs> and um, we started a party. I helped start up the KAP um, with a few people. And, I was very involved in, in the party because I had political views and values that I felt really strongly about. I just didn't want to be a front man mm. and I didn't want to be you know, a public speaker or anything like that. And so I, I was, we were desperately trying to find a candidate and um, we couldn't get any candidates to sort of sign on the dotted line. So I eventually thought, bugger it, I'll do it myself because <laughs> no one else wants to fight. And um, so uh, that's how I ended up being... Uh, the candidate and the member for Mount Isa, as it was then. So if you're not um, someone who, I guess, likes to be drawn into confrontation that yeah. strongly, what was it like campaigning then? So when you became yeah. the candidate, yeah. you know, campaigning against, you know, Liberals and Labor. Yeah, very nerve-wracking. You know, I was nervous all the time. Um, probably the most nervous was the candidates' debate. Which I find funny now, you know, like that I was nervous. <laughs> well, because now you're in Parliament. And yeah, well, I'm battle-hearted now, yeah. and like, and I had a baptism of fire when I got into Parliament. It sort of toughened you up. So, um, yeah, I was um, really, um, yeah, I just had to change. I knew it would be confrontational. I knew it would be tough, and it was, and uh, it probably changed me a fair bit. Mm. But, um, but it, that's that's what it does, and. Um, I don't regret it. I think I did the right thing. And, um, yeah, that's brought me to where I am now. And I suppose at least, you know, seeing that your dad's the federal member for Kennedy, 
he would probably have a lot of sage advice for you when you first started. To oh, like... my word. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. I mean, everyone's got to really chart their own course. Like, things that work for him don't work for me. We're pretty different personalities in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I would have taken blindly his advice on how to interact with people, I'd, I would have got lost or would have come unstuck. I've got a different way of interacting with people. Some ways it's better, some ways it's worse. And uh, But from day one, he dumped a big pile of policy on my desk and said, you got to push all this. <laughs> and I think that's what really distinguishes us from other minor parties uh, is that you know I would I would argue that none of the other minor parties have a big heap of work from day <laughs> one I think you know that I think often there's that challenge here with some independents or minor parties where you sort of think what do I do you know what do I but I'm putting bills in parliament and bloody motions debate as soon as I get in there because you've, you've got 40 years of well you know you could say 60 years if you include my grandfather of like, of um, experience yeah. and you know issues where they've they've caught up around the place and you start vetting issues because mm. you know it might seem a good idea for five years but then it becomes irrelevant you move on to something else and um, and you've got that inherent trust I suppose because you've grown up with him and knowing his known knowing him so well um, and I had Shane Knute with me too he's been mm. a brilliant um, Hill is that his... he's now the member for Hill yeah yeah. They keep changing his electorate around. Too. Yeah, they tried to get rid of both of us, <laughs> but they ended up ended up with an extra one. Yeah, so. that's what happened. They got an extra one. They stuffed them. <laughs> so, um, one thing I did want to ask you because obviously, like you said, it's a North Queensland electorate. How do you find you know coming from such a large North Queensland electorate mm. coming down to Brisbane? Do you find that when you're in Parliament talking to other MPs that they're you know they're hearing North Queensland issues, or is it... That's a very pertinent question, perhaps the most pertinent question to ask me, because even psychologically, like, on a very personal level, it's it's very challenging for me to come down here and be nice and engaging, when, on the other hand, I feel that the government is killing my homeland. <laughs> you know, there's so many decisions that are made, or not made, that... Um, and so many things could easily be done to change the prosperity of the area where I'm from, but we're of such little relevance. And uh, others are very uh, southeast focused. I think, I think most people, I think the parliament is just so ambivalent to far-flung northern areas and our prosperity and, and our well-being. I think everyone has goodwill and would, you know, if they thought about it long enough, would do mm. something. And from time to time, they do do something positive, but. Oh, I just I, I get really angry and bitter, yeah. and when I see the outcomes and struggles um, where I'm from, it's just it's a land of hardship where I'm from. And then you come down here, and I see I feel people are so privileged, um, and the things that they discuss are far from dealing with the problems that I face. Yeah, but I still feel I have some responsibility to engage and try and uh, interact. Yeah, so it's a real tension there in, internally for me to say, to take off my angry, or park my angry feelings and try and interact down here, it messes with my head a bit. Because obviously I guess when you're, you'll have to be when you're voting on legislation things, a lot of it probably isn't for your area. Oh, so yeah, so you know, 
So how do you approach I, those situations? Do you like? Well, I often say that. You know, I say I'm sure this is good legislation for you, but it makes it's either relevant or harmful to me mm-hmm. and my electorate. And I often say Queensland's way too big for one set of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've been an advocate of a separate state, not, and I would be if I lived in Brisbane, <laughs> because it's, you know, you want to set up governments that serve people and are culturally aligned and mm. are there to get the best outcome for the people they represent. And I just, I feel so often it is just most of the activity is so irrelevant to. And, and often is in uh, contradicts like our aspirations mm. in there and you know perfect example is tree clearing where you know Brisbane Valley was they did the tree clearing 200 years ago and they prospered and they built businesses on that and everyone's got to prosper down here mm. and slowly you know people have grown, we've pr- produced and progressed and you've got water to you know you've put water to the surface up in the north where you could have cattle where you couldn't before and you start developing up there in the last 50 years it's you know, let's say in the last 20 years you start developing up the north but now they say there's that social element um, you know people have um, environmental sensitivities they say we don't want any more tree clearing like you can't do anything more up there so well hang on <laughs> like yeah. we're a bit different up here like it's a completely different I mean you know, the ecosystem is a completely different thing for a start mm-hmm. or the lands management systems required but you know socially this seems a little bit unfair like mm. you've got to <laughs> and now you impose your environmental stands on me once you've gained the benefit of down there yeah. you've denied us any opportunity to ever advance up here that feels a little bit unfair and so there's just all these examples one after another it's long catalog yeah and you know I j- and i don't even think why would people need to consider that that's a problem because I'm one seat mm. out of 94 in this parliament and there's arguably probably only another two or three that are well aligned with my my issues. Yeah, and I, I often think like, um, you know, if you look at the electorate that the Premier and Deputy Premier, like Inala and South Brisbane, like there's, it's been a long time since there's been a Premier who's had a seat outside of this southeast corner. Do you think having a, you know, more North Queensland people in that leadership team would actually, you know, they'd, they'd be able to fight for that, that, oh, that not really. I, culture? No, no, because I, I, I have a very firm view that the political system's broken in Australia. Mm-hmm. The, the two-party system has um, had its day. I think it's not delivering to the individual. Uh, and <clears throat> a very firm view on that. And... Um, you know, I can give you n- numerous examples, but, um, you know, basically if you're the member for Townsville, or let's call it the seat of Townsville and, and Traeger like myself, um, and you're you're bound in by your party's position on most things, mm. um, the individual that you represent in Townsville says, well, it doesn't really feel like you're representing me. It feels like you're representing the Liberal or the Labor Party. Yeah. I say, yeah, but that's all right. It's a means to an end, and, you know, we've... Once we get them, the battles and yeah, and pick him a battles, and once I get in a position of power, I'll start delivering for you. He said, "Well, mate, I'd rather you just." And and the interesting thing for me to observe is that through the Newman government, Shane and I delivered nothing other than a voice for our electorate mm. and a loud voice for our electorate, and we both upped our vote, our percentage yeah. of the vote. So we had swings towards us and increased our margin 
and we delivered nothing. So that that's contrary to the the line that's given to all these new backbenchers that are mate. You'll have a future in the party. Just keep telling the party line, and then mm. we'll start giving new sports stadium and new school air conditioners or whatever, and just behave yourself. Mm. But you'll have to sell out a fair bit on some issues and your electorate, and that's not to me. It's just you know I'm not saying there's no perfect system, mm. and a multi-party system is not perfect either. But um, the the binary thing of oh it's either Liberal or Labor oh we've got to get rid of this Premier so mm. let's vote for the other guys Yeah, that's not delivering to people and people become more switched off from politics and um, and I feel sorry for a lot of my colleagues here, they can't speak their mind here, I can mm. and it's a big advantage for me but I mean I'm not here to bloody just help me, really I'm not just here to help my party, I'm here to try and build rebuild the state and the nation and if you're serious about that you'd want to see different groups having their voice and we bash it out there in the parliament yeah. but we don't bash anything out there there's <laughs> name calling and rock throwing That's and it. occasionally there's some meaningful issues but most of the time it's a political game just to get ahead of the other guy or tear the other guy down enough so you can get ahead of him yeah I was going to say I mean a lot of people would just see maybe some question time or like some of that name calling in the parliament is it really that negative in yeah. the, in the arena. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And when after, you know post federation, soon let's say post federation, there was these things called the Labor Party or whatever, and you know the Liberal Party exists then. Whoever else was around, uh, Country Party, Nationalists or, Party or something. Yeah. So yeah. whoever's around then at the time, and and um, they'd have Matthew and Robert down there representing their towns, and you'd be representing Rockhampton, I'd represent Council. And you'd say, well, I've got some issues here for Rockhampton. Actually, this one's an excellent one. It's about building the Port of Rockhampton. It'll return a, give a financial return to the state within 10 years. And the member for Toowoomba and te- my, Rob Catter from Towns would say, that sounds bloody brilliant idea. That sounds good for the state. You got my vote. And someone would say, mate, he's from the Labor Party. Don't, I, say, I don't give a stuff who he is. <laughs> yeah. so. But you're in the bloody Nationalist Party. Mate, you know, I don't care too much about this party business. Like, I'm here to... Rep- you know, yeah. the parties didn't mean much after Federation. They weren't, they weren't, they morphed into this big, powerful machine. Mm. They weren't anything like that back then. They were a loose aggregation of politicians, but it came back to the debate that you, as a member for Rockhampton back then on your port bill, you had to convince the rest of the House. So mm. we had this debate, and I'd be debating that money should be used for the Toowoomba rail line, you know, to build the rail line out for them. We'd have an awful debate because. We're trying to appropriate the funds to each, and everyone had to listen to the debate and cast their, their vote accordingly. That was real parliament. And mm. then when you, f- you know, when you fix that outcome, it 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 was more likely to have a because it had so much buy-in from consensus from this diverse range of people that if it got through this parliament and particularly if it got through with a pretty good majority of the vote, you thought, well, it's a pretty good chance we're going to stick with that port in Bowen, in Rockhampton because everyone given. Yeah. If we fleshed it out in the debate, everyone had a good visual of what the two things did for Queensland, and it won. And what do you have now? You have, oh, it's Cross River Rail or the Bat Tunnel or the, yeah. this. Then they flick it around because one loses power and will waste 20 or 50 million on feasibilities. Mm. Then it flicks back around because they've. And or they're saying that, you know, the federal government uh, is a different. Party, party well. and then they'll repeal stuff that, you know, the first 12 months of a new government is repealing everything the last government did and the business community says, can you just give us one set of rules? Like, mm. Now, 
replay that scenario through hung parliaments, as they call them, mm. or when you've got a third or fourth party where now there's a little bit more consensus mm. and the backbenchers are a bit more empowered because it's not so stranglehold yeah. from just the elite of the two majors. That's how the party... Sh- and everyone says that's messy. A lot of people said in Canberra, I was, you got that mess that you have in those hung parliaments. Messy is how it's supposed mm. to be. It's supposed to be. That's called consult- consultative government. Mm. Like... Because they actually then have to... It might not be as efficient. Argue their point to a cross-bench. And what do people want? Do you want efficiency or do you want some legitimacy or consensus? I I know what I'd prefer. And it's not perfect, but there's, you know, I think we need a severe turnaround in politics. So, yeah, that's that's something I feel very strongly about. Yeah, because there's still a lot of people, and I mean, some guests who come on this as well say that, you know, the only parties we're throwing for are... Liberal or Labor because because you, you can't achieve anything outside the major parties. Yeah, so yeah, haven't heard that one before. <laughs> so what would you say to the voters out there who, you know, maybe they would vote for a third party, like uh, or It's pretty, <laughs> you know, it's pretty hard to convince people of mm. that, other than giving them some real life stories mm. um, or anecdotes from myself, where I've had members of parties in even some of them in what you'd say technically a high positions mm. so mate can you help me with, with this because yeah i just and i'm thinking it's can your you party and government oh. or no we really need your help with this rob mm. like and you know bizarre situations and um i'm not you know i'm not going to bloody blow people's privacy oh, no, on this but um yeah just some bizarre and, and not just in the labor government with the alan newman liberal government too where i had People from the party and government come and say, mate, how's it going with this thing? Are you progressing? And I think, well, you know, it's a shared initiative we had. And I thought, well, it's your bloody government, mate. You should know. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, look, another... another. Dad said when he was minister and the state government, he said, sometimes you're more tempted to give things uh, to the other side because blokes in your party want your position mm. as the minister and they're throwing rocks at you all the time and um, but you can control them mm. you can control them in your own party what you couldn't control is the opposition so if they're constantly saying you're not delivering this road where there's been all these deaths on you're a hopeless minister mm. it ruins your credibility and, and there's all the sharks in your own party willing to take it so he said there is a scenario here where you know you there's still ways to um, politics is very complex, and there's still ways to achieve goals rather than just knocking kindly on the door of the minister saying, "Hey, I'm in your party, and I've been really loyal. By the way, can you help me with this?" Yeah, you know, there's well, plenty of ways to skin a cat. I suppose if you just accepted that, you know, you're not in government, so you can't do anything, then then nothing would get done. Then, well, <laughs> you know, here's my answer to this. The best answer to that, not, you know, you've got to be in a party to get something in government. The LNP in opposition twice put bills in the Parliament on ethanol mandate. There's my sticker there for ethanol, uh-huh. big supporter. We got in, the Newman government got in and said they won't do a mandate, so the ethanol you know, producers, proponents came to us and said, what will you do? We said, well, we haven't got any staff or resources to really put bills together. How about we just photocopy their bill? This is in 2013, we photocopied the 2010 bill of the LNP, put their own bill back into the Parliament when they're in government... They voted against it, debated and voted against their own bill with Labor, both voted against it, 
instep KP in a powerful position in the next hung parliament. We didn't have the balance of power, but we were in a powerful position and we forced it on the Labor government and we now own the amendment for the ethanol mandate of 4% in Queensland is owned by the KP forced it in the parliament where nice. everyone voted for it. Yeah. The entire parliament voted for it. <laughs> so how, tell me, like, that's the a logic. big initiative. <laughs> tell me the logic there of how you achieve things through a major party. It's the exact opposite in that. And that's a pretty big achievement. Like an ethanol mandate's, I think, something, uh, started something really big in Queensland. Um, now, a lot of, um, the reason why I do this, I guess, is a lot of people aren't engaged in politics. Yeah. And given that you're electric... God, why would they be? <laughs> well, you've laid out a lot of reasons as why they should be. Yeah. Um, oh, but it's uninspiring. I mean, yeah. that's why they switched off, because no one's speaking their mind here. So then how do you, like, because you've, you've Get said, people engaged. Yeah, how I think it's ins- I think it's easy. You, you just need to see it, say what the people are thinking. Mm. I mean, why do you get these anomalies like, um, what's his name in the US? Donald Trump. Yeah. Or Pauline Hanson. There's a lot of people thinking these things, but they don't have the courage to come here and say it in the parliament. So we create this world here in parliament and this media storm around issues thinking this is all relevant. And a lot of it is very deliberately just created as an issue to bring people's focus on it. But does it really connect with those, the real burning issues that they have in their house? And, and that's why they can never, you know, cap, they can't see some of these political anomalies that come along. They, they're just not ready for it because, Mm. um, they're not connected with people and, They've created this, you know, almost this bloody, um, what do you call, alternate reality where they've, and, and think that that's, that's how, what people think. Mm. And it, um, and it, you know, you might think, how could people be that naive? But it's, uh, you know, we're living proof here that, um, that, uh, yeah, they, they get these ideas in their head and we all think it's really important because we're discussing here in Parliament, but... A lot of people out there working at the schools or working the shops, and they don't care about that. Mm. You know, they know where the issues are, and but you know that's the trick for us is to really bore down those issues and and bring them in. And as soon as you start talking relevance, and you know, without blowing my own trumpet, I think I'm pretty good evidence of that. Where you know I've delivered some good things in my lecture, but like I said, I was gaining ground when I was delivering nothing, mm-hmm. and now I top the state in the last election. Got eighty percent or seventy nine point something percent of the vote and top the state, and and um, I'm not a premier or bloody you know, yeah. And the only thing I could say I do well, I'm not that great a public speaker or not the best person getting around the electorate or like not the hardest worker in the world. I think I work pretty hard, but um, well, getting around your electorate would be very challenging because yeah, obviously, yeah. like an electorate, I live in Mount Omni yeah. electorate, which is twenty minutes. Yeah. Either side of it, whereas yours is hours. I'm um, 200 plus, I don't know, I'm 1,000 kilometres across drive, one way, so. Yeah, some you know some towns in my electorate are 10 or 11 hours drive one way. Mm-hmm. So that's 22 hours to visit 20 people, 30 people. That's But, you know, the point is, you know, it's pretty easy for me. And, yes, I can have a narrow focus, cause, which sort of limits your... I'm not going to win seats in Brisbane and the KAP. Mm. I'm unlikely to because they don't really it's align or, yeah, they yeah. don't see any alignment with my values and that's fine. I accept that. So, you know, perhaps you've, you're not going to have big numbers in Parliament but it doesn't mean you're not powerful. Mm. Like power gravitates to those who use it here and, 
and it's hard to sort of give examples or explain that in a short time but there's I think Shane and I are living proof that with two members of parliament well let me tell you this in I think it's about uh, Queensland in their history now have had 14 private members bills go through the house Mm -hmm. a private members bill being a non-government bill so you've got the support of yourself and a majority the, of some sort. Yeah, you've got yeah. a majority outside of the government. Like mm. it's it's a pretty tough thing to do because the government doesn't like giving credit to whoever's not in government. Yeah. <laughs> and KP now owns three private members' bills we've got through out of fourteen in Queensland's history. Yeah. For two MPs. And that would be I mean We've got three MPs now. But. One house would be even tricky because there's no like at least I guess in federal politics you've got a Senate which would allow for minor, more minor party members yeah. to be elected, and so and I'd say we've done a lot more than just bills in the house. Mm. But what could be a more material outcome to measure our ability to yeah. deliver? And those weren't all done in hung parliament. One of those was done in this parliament. So tell me, like, <laughs> you know, who's the non-performer here? Our, our LMP got thirty-seven. Mm. We've got three now, um, and I still have people saying, That's "Oh yeah, you know, else. you're good, Robert." Yeah, what can you achieve in a minor party? And I just, <laughs> I feel sorry for people saying that because mm. they've been brainwashed and, um, and, and uh, you know, I do try and change or enlighten them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, look, people got to learn this stuff for themselves. But, you know, it, it wouldn't take much to start inspiring people again in the parliament. Mm. You know, you don't, you wouldn't, it's not that hard to pick out what people are saying. I, I, I'm certainly not that smart. But how do I get 80%? It's just you say what people are saying back in the electorate. And yeah. So I guess you've got to be a little bit discerning. You're like yeah, I'm not a weather vane or a bloody survey monkey, where I just <laughs> say what's you know. Of course, you've got to use a bit of judgment on yeah. things. But well, I guess then the thing is, then if you know, people who are thinking about which way to vote, they should vote with whichever party aligns with their values, not just the two major parties. Oh, you know how else should it work? Yeah. Like I just. No, I mean, or the it's, MP, it's, I guess. It's it's the greatest trick the major parties have pulled is like, you know, you must make it about more than just me. I know I'm pretty hopeless, <laughs> and I haven't delivered much to you in the electorate, but it's bigger than me. All this, yeah. And people should be saying, no, it's not. I just want you to stand up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even care if you don't deliver anything, but just say what I think and represent me. Do you think, at the very that least, it's heading that way though? Because no, no, I think it's. The party, you know, these major parties aren't learning a bit. Oh, I meant as in, like, do you think voters are starting to? Oh, yeah, but voters. That's a. I mean, that there's empirical evidence of yeah. that. The the vote for other keeps. It's the only. It's the only consistent the trend in politics is that <laughs> yeah. the vote against the majors keeps going up. It's just difficult. They keep raising the bar on fundraising and um, all these. Well, we can take you through a catalogue of federal, parliament and state where they've changed rules to make it more difficult for minor parties to grow. We got our staff ripped off us. And, yes. uh, leg- no, no, not by the Premier. Before that, they changed legislation. So the legislation was originally changed by Peter Beattie to help the Liberals, who mm. only had three members of parliament. You know, that was not that long ago. Mm. We've got three members of parliament now. Yeah, KP. I did notice. Interesting. If they changed it, did they change it from three to five, I think, once... Right. Once you hit three MPs... Once we hit three, they change it back up to yeah. deny us the opportunity to get staff. Like, like, but there's countless <laughs> countless evidence of the two majors combining to try and... Because they, like, they're very happy. If Labor loses um, 
you know, next they'll be back in the next one, the next one. Like mm. with two, with two you can manage things a lot better. And with a three or four, you've got to actually start delivering. Mm. And, and the old formula you use to just get the support of this and this doesn't work. So, and that's yeah. t- that scares the hell out of people. And the worst thing about it for our is it invites corporate influence, big corporate influence. Um, you know, whether that's big companies, big business unions, whatever big aggregate interests can start to control the parliament and, it, and the power goes away from the individuals and gravitates to the big corporate. Um, and I don't mean just private corporations, I just mean corporatised interests. And, and uh, that's not good. I don't think that's healthy at all. Um, now, you obviously probably have a lot to do this afternoon, so I won't keep you for too much longer. Maybe just two I'll more questions. I'll call my wife back, surely. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you know your electorate has changed a little bit. Um, how do you? What what kind of brings people to your electorate? So how do you? I guess attract more people. Attract there. more people there. Yeah. Very very difficult. Like, you know, I, I hope some in some way like you know just by bloody pushing myself in the media and saying I love Mount Isa, which I really do. Mm-hmm. Like, if I wasn't in politics, I'd still be live. I choose to live in Mount Isa in the West. I love it. I love the people there. I love my lifestyle there, and my wife loves it. She moved from the Sunshine Coast, um, and uh, and I just wish I could drum that into people's head that like, you know, there's this. It may be a, you know, a percent. It might be ten, twenty percent of people, but everyone's gravitating to the cities hmm. and want the comfort and safety and security of the cities. And I think, I think, because intuitively they know the government's just not looking after anyone outside the city. And yep. perhaps a lot of people saw their parents struggling and battling and rural towns and stuff growing up and stuff that I'll go where it's nice, safe and secure. But, you know, it's just, it's tragic for me to see that I know there's some people that would just thrive in country. It's not for everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. I think some people really well suited the cities and that's great. But it's tragic that I think there's an element of, um, yeah, demographic profile that would probably be really well suited to being, um, you know, the exciting exploratory type of um, personality. Mm-hmm that would thrive in a rural atmosphere and um, and I think there's there seems to be some social sort of cultural constraints there where you know, if, you know where if you're going out west you're going uh, into the never never land or something but um, it's a shame but oh, look I, I don't know other than just being a good advocate and and trying to showcase the great things we do out there I'm not too sure what you do I'm probably not it's probably not my strong suit uh, mm. being promotional but it, I I tell you what, like if people saw what I saw, I think they'd they'd rush and they'd be yeah. really interested in living out in some of those western areas. Uh, and just finally, um, obviously, I mean, your dad's been an MP for a long time, but you can't be an MP forever. Mm. Um, at some point, you'll retire, or um, you know, hopefully not lose a seat. But you know, never know. Um, what what kind of lasting legacy would you hope to have left behind in Traeger or in Queensland as a whole? Yeah. Look, Dad's the more of the Alexander the Great sort of (laughs) (laughs) for projects, but um, I think my legacy would be taking advantage of some of our great assets Mm -hmm. and seeing that people on the ground could prosper from those people on the and I make the distinction people on the ground I don't want any big corporates bloody farmers coming in and but if we could build a dam that could you know give make give a few more people 
say, 20 more jobs around Hewenden or Richmond. Um, hmm. um, that would be wonderful, you know, and, and just, just to, um, you know, we don't need to develop the hell out of everything, but we could really do some things, um, uh, some great things for the state, and I'm in such a resource-rich area, um, with farmland and mining and, um, you know, tourism assets, and it was just a wonderful area. Um, I'm so in love with the area I represent because it's there's just so much to do. You can mm. just be so busy. Um, it, it makes it exciting. It's it's sort of tragic in one way that it's not being tapped into, but on the other hand, it's exciting. There's so much you can achieve. So if we could even tap into a small fraction of that in my lifetime, I'd be pretty happy. All right, well, I think that might be a good place to end, but um, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put in the episode description where people can pick Twitter and actually, Yeah, and probably the last thing is um, there's a lot of first Australians in my electorate and um, communities, and anyone with a heart would really try and fix those problems and, you know, stuff some of these motherhood statements and, you know, catch cries that people make. I get annoyed with those, but if there was real action, if if I could change, you know, the prosperity or the lifestyle for some of those people um, and give them some hope, I'd be pretty happy to. Okay, mm. cool. That sounds like, yeah, a good place to stop. But mm. thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, mate.